Well, Brondon, clearly one major talking point in the game. Everybody been asking for it. We've got VAR. And is there yet more drama to come here? I'm obviously really, really happy with VAR. Ask us to the VAR people, please. Don't ask to me. For me, it's very clear. VAR is for say, is good or is not good. The VAR brings the truth to the game and everybody accepts it. Welcome to the VAR Booth Podcast. I'm your host, Coach H. And today we are going to be talking everything about playing soccer in Europe. And also we are going to be introducing the new founded team out of New York, New Amsterdam FC. My guest today is a recently named sporting director of New Amsterdam FC and a managing partner of the football project, Max Mansfield. Max, how are you? Good. Good, Coach H. Thanks for having me on, man. Awesome. Um, can you hear me? Can you hear me pretty well? Yeah, everything's pretty clear. I'm uh, I'm up in New York, so you know, upstate, awesome. okay. out of the city, <laughs> in the jungle. How is it? How is sort of how is I would say business been during this uh, this pandemic? Um, it's. Definitely slowed down. I mean, so we do a lot of work in Europe and in America. The American side has slowed down just because we're not, you know, actively scouting players because there's no games. But, you know, every club in Europe is still, you know, planning their roster for, for the fall and stuff. And, and some even for, you know, a, an extended summer season idea. So, you know, we still are looking into our database and looking at film and trying to connect the dots of players to clubs and, and clubs to players and vice versa. So we've been busy. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. All right. So let's just, let's just, we'll do, we'll do the first half of this, uh, of this podcast. We'll talk about just how to play in Europe, um, the pros and cons of playing in Europe and how players can get there. And in the second half, we'll talk about um, New Amsterdam FC. So let's first start with uh, the Foosball Project. Uh, just tell everybody what is what is the Foosball Project and how do you guys go about your business? Yeah, so the Foosball Project is a, <clears throat> I would say the easiest way to understand it is because we do do a lot of things. Is we look to open professional pathways for American players, right? We do that both on the men's side and the youth side, and we do that at a variety of levels. But the overarching theme is, again, opening doors for U.S. players creating opportunities, creating pathways. Um, so we do that, you know, mainly through looking at players, ID camps, combines, stuff like that, um, to get players through our door, and then you know recommend players to, you know, clubs that are in our our network of of contacts. Okay, there's a lot of players that automatically assume um, playing in Europe is a huge dream because of the fact that we know the nature of of soccer football in Europe is much larger than it is in the United States. Um, some players don't actually believe that they are either maybe good enough or they don't think that dream is actually attainable to play in Europe because they assume that if you're going to play in Europe, you're playing first division in, in all the big, you know, the big, uh, you know, leagues over there. Um, so why, why is it beneficial for a player to choose to play in Europe as opposed to play here in the States? Um, I think you're in a couple couple parts I'll answer. And I think 
firstly, you're you're judged in Europe way more off your ability on the day, right? That season, that year. Of course, you know, they look at your resume and where you've played, but I don't think a Jamie Vardy story happens in America. I just don't. Or Miroslav Klose or Drogba or Luca Toni, these guys that, you know, had their breakthrough in their early to mid twenties. <clears throat> Excuse me. I just don't think it happens. Um, you know, if you play at a lower league there, it can happen. You know, if you play, if you score your goals or you have a stellar season, you will get moved up because it's a business and nobody cares what you look like, who you are, stuff like that. Of course, there's politics, but if you play well, you move up. And that is a simplified equation that, you know, I'm going to take some heat for this, but often gets lost in the U.S. landscape. So you, so what you're saying is here in the U.S., if you are, if you, you know, maybe just came out of college and you missed your chance uh, to play in the USO or the MLS or something like that, uh, it's very difficult to to get into that system. But in Europe, you can you can go start at a you know fifth division team, and if you just play well, you can move you can move up. Again, yeah, yeah. I mean, you said it there. Like, if you, I mean, let's be real. If you played at Georgetown, right, and you just graduated from there, just using them as an example, and I went to the local community college, and we both finished at, you know, age 21, and and I was better than you, right? I would argue that you will still have a lot higher opportunities, again, because you're getting the exposure. Not saying there's something innately wrong with that, but it is the reality of the game, and I don't make the rules, you don't make the rules, and that's just how it is, you know? It's like those guys get first pick, first look, and then they look downwards, and so. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Okay, let's talk about let's talk about the soccer. Um, okay. How does it benefit an American player to go play against European teammates and uh, with European teammates and against European opposition? Uh, I would say the 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 actual game part of it. Um, generally, in America, we are, and this surprises people, we are ahead of Europe in terms of athleticism, right? We focus a lot on athleticism, weightlifting, fitness, that side of the game. So that's an advantage that most, I'll say most European uh, American players have when they go over there. But, you know, the biggest advantage is, you know, you learn the tactics from a whole different animal, right? Like when I, when I first went to Europe at a young age, I didn't even know what tactics were. I thought it was just, you know, press, push, slide. Like I didn't think there was much more to it. And you see these guys and it's like, yeah, maybe they're not as quick as some of the American guys or as strong or as fit, but they just let the ball do the work or they press, you know, they don't run hard, they run smart. So I think tactically is a big benefit. Um, and then I would say on the other side, you're playing for a lot more, right? You're playing for the local town. You're playing for fans where, where this is their, this is their life or, or your teammates, this is their livelihood where a lot of the guys in America that I've seen at least, and, and again, I don't want to make you know generalizations, but a lot of the guys that when I was playing a bit of USL, um, is that you know if this doesn't work out, they're sitting on a you know a, a four year bachelor's degree. They have a degree, they could go get a job or or get a coaching job that pays tons of money because now they already played pro. So there's not as much of a cutthroat as like you know like it's this or it's something completely you know beneath this where in america it's like if i don't make it in soccer like you know everybody's here has a pretty good fallback so i would say 
you know, if you play pro here, you can make a strong coaching career. Yeah. Okay. Now let's then let's talk about the sort of like the cons. I mean, we've heard stories of um, the the conditions uh, players sometimes land up when they you know if they go to Europe and play in the lower divisions and the fact that there's obviously no there's not a lot of money uh, when you play in the lower divisions. Like how do how do, how does one survive under those conditions and still stay motivated uh, to play soccer uh, when they're over there? Um, I, I think w one part of it is important. It's really important the mindset you go into it with, right? You, if you go at a lower level, you know, you have to know what you're getting yourself into, right? You're going at a lower level that a lot of your teammates may not live full time off this money. Maybe you're playing semi pro, right? But you have to go into it knowing that, right? And you also have to understand that like this isn't the last chapter. This is a bleep on the radar. This is, you know, to make a name for myself. And again, what's the alternative, right? The, if the alternative is, you know, playing NPSL for two months a season or playing men's league in the States, you know, you can't have that on your resume. At least now you're playing in Europe and you can prove your worth there. Um, but again, like I've heard horror stories and there's bad situations. And, you know, we try and avoid them. We try and really do our research on the club. But again, you have to know that you're so easily replaceable there, right? And, and that's a big difference. Like if I'm, yeah. you know, a winger and I have four consecutive games that are poor, I'm not playing again. And then maybe that, that money I was supposed to get paid on the first of the month, maybe that comes on the 15th of the month now. And what am I going to do about it? I'm not on a formal contract. And even if I am, I take these people to court, like, you have the lesser hand and you're easily replaceable because they could just take the kid from the next town over who may not be as good as you, but they don't have to get him a visa. They don't have to get him housing. They don't have to feed him. Right. So it's like, you, you got to understand the reality of it. Yeah. So you have, definitely have to approach it from a humility point of view and just work, work hard. Um, okay. That's good. So now let's, let's talk. How does one, if a player is, is here in the States and, Maybe they've had they went to a couple of combines, um, and it, you know they didn't get picked for an American team, and they want to go play in Europe. Like, what should they do um, at this point? I would I would say, I mean, it's going to sound odd for me to say this because you know a conflict of interest. We run a program that does this, but there are other programs, right? There's some that are good, some that are bad, um, that help players go to Europe. I'm not going to name any names. Um, but look into them, right? Look into the players they've sent in this day and age through social media. It's quite quick. If I see X company sent X player over to X country, I can probably find out from that player, hey, what's the process? How does it work? And he'll tell you and he'll be straight up. And, you know, I can confidently say that. Um, and when you go to these kind of showcases for these programs, it's, it's, it's different because you're not going to a combine for one team, right? If I go to the open trial for LA Galaxy 2, and I might be at the level to play at USL, but maybe I don't fit in the plans of LA Galaxy 2, or maybe they have three wingers in my position that are, you know, touted to go up to the first team. So, you know, and you can really get down on yourself. And when you go to a program that's, you know, A, you are paying for it, you're paying for a service. 
but that service is you're paying for access, access to their network. So when you come through our doors, yeah, you pay, I think we charge a hundred bucks now, which we find quite reasonable to showcase yourself. And then you get sent on to a club and, you know, so you're paying for a lot so, more so play, access to clubs. So play, so play. Right. No. So, so what you're saying is play shouldn't be t- deterred by the fact that you must pay a fee because as we all know, there's all, there's also a lot of people who, you know, they promise you, oh, I can get you a trial at, at this club, such and such, but you have to pay me a fee. So how do you decipher between uh, an organization or a person working for an organization that is actually, uh, you know, true to their word? And, you know, if you pay that fee, you will get that access um, with those who are just trying to get money off you. Again, I would say the first thing you should talk to is the other players they've worked with, right? That'll be the most honest one because I, and I've gotten some heat for this, but I firmly believe there are agents you can pay money to that will bring you in the right place, right? Again, ask the players, who are the players they've worked with, find them, speak to them, but also do the math and be realistic, right? If you're not playing pro in America and you're going over to Europe and you're hearing, look, I may only make you know, 600 euros a month, right? Do the math. The agent then wants to get 10% of your contract of six. Like, why would the agent then help you, right? If the agent believes in you, they'll say, you know what, let's make a deal. If you sign, you have to give me a fee or you can go to more than one club or things like that. Again, the overarching theme is ask the players, go to the players. Those are the guys that are in the same shoes as you that will probably give you the most honest answer. Yeah. Okay, now let's talk, and you've been, I mean, you probably do this year round where you are watching players and trying to identify uh, talent from players. From a player's perspective, how does one approach tryouts? Uh, What should they do before the tryouts, let's let's start there. Like, how does one prepare? Go uh, if they have a tryout in maybe in a month or two months, what should they be doing? In a foreign country, you're saying, right? Or in a, is there a difference between a foreign country and here in the states, or is is it, is it the same thing? Um, I would say it's the same rough protocol. Um, let's say you're going on a trial. So assuming you're going with the team that already exists, right? You're not at an open trial with other trialists. You're going to this team, Europe and America. I would say for starters, research the team, look into the team, right? Kind of figure some things out. Um, you know, what is their league play? What tier is it? What is the town like? Because at the end of the day, yeah, we want to play everywhere. Like everybody says, I'll go to any club. But you also want to be in a situation that's, I don't want to say comfortable, but in a place where you can focus on your football, right? You want to be in a place where you can be a year. Because if it's a place where you're going to leave after three weeks because you're like, you know, on the southeast of Moldova, like it doesn't make sense for anybody for you to explore that option because you know yourself that you're not going to stay there. So nobody wins, right? So I would say look into what the club is like, right? What are their, what are their, what is their infrastructure? And I would say from your own standpoint, make sure you're fit, have to be fit. It goes without saying, I sound like a broken record, but you have to be fit. Um, You know, so you're obviously training. That's, that's a no brainer. And then 
lower your ego, right? That's the biggest thing because the first, you're already American. So you already have something going against you. You're a foreigner. Most of these guys on this roster that you're coming into, they probably don't want you on the team, right? It's just the reality. They probably don't want you. They probably are concerned of losing their spot because the little money that they are getting paid or the money that they, you're, you're endangering it. You're something new that they don't know. You're an unknown quantity. So they don't want you there. So know that going in, right? And then as you get on the field, play simple, play quick, find your way into the game, right? Don't try and do anything crazy to start. Build your way into the game, build the foundation of the house, right? Running off the ball, getting tackles stuck in, right? Winning your individual battles. And then once you have those things in place, right? The basics of football, then add, you know, the special sauce, what you're good at, right? The deadly cross or the 1v1s or the work rate, then show it. But build the foundation and then show it. So, and and that obviously going into, you know, if you're going to try it for a team, but would you, would you advise anything different for a combine season? So if, for instance, if, um, and, you know, and as we transition into, uh, New Amsterdam FC, if you're looking for players and you, you host a, a combine for New Amsterdam FC, how does one then approach that, that tryout? Yeah. Um, so, so the combine scenario is again, going to be different because in the trial, you somewhat want to fit in with the rest of the group and then stand out a little bit. So they have a reason to obviously take you, but they want to see you fit into their landscape, but bring that different element where a combine, you don't want to necessarily fit in because you don't know what the standard of the level is going to be. So you want to catch somebody's eye. Um, I would say right off the bat, the combine, um, scenario the situation the infrastructure of a combine is an imperfect science right players need to understand that this is not the best way to look at players it just simply isn't but it is a convenient way right we we don't it's not realistic to get all these players and we would love to to get all these players in a camp for 14 days and give each person you know the look they deserve but then the transfer window opens then this ha- you know there's there's just there's not enough time you know to do that so when you're in the combine i would say get yourself noticed right carry yourself as a professional get yourself noticed in the sense that introduce yourself to a coach thank them for the opportunity don't be i'm not saying being a suck up but you know so that they have they can connect your name to your face at the very least right that's kind of the social side the way you carry yourself and then in the games you have to you have to rest on on what you're good at and you have to a big part of football is a the ability you have but even bigger or just as big is your strengths showcasing those strengths and hiding your weaknesses right that is a big part of football like if you look at even like Marco Royce for example he's a brilliant player but what he does really well is he doesn't get into these physical altercations right he doesn't because he knows he has the lesser hand there. And if he did, he may not be the player he is, right? So your strengths, you have to isolate yourself into situations where you can have the upper hand, right? So if it's 50-50s, you need to find the 50 If it's dribbling, you need to find the dribbling. You need to showcase those strengths because that's what's going to, you know, raise the eyebrows of a scout. Like, wow, this guy has whipped in. That's the third cross he's whipped in, right? If you just did that, 
consistent crosses through the whole combine and everything else was mediocre, you're probably going to get a trial because you just, you know, you raised eyebrows. You got on the, the coach's sheet. Yeah, I hear. Um, there was a little bit of some technical issues, you know, during that response, but, uh, you know, we heard you not loud and clear. So now let's talk New Amsterdam FC. Um, you as the sporting director um, of of this new team, uh, New Amsterdam FC is coming out of uh, of New York. They will be playing in uh, in the NISA League, NISA, which we can say NISA is probably sort of like the, the, the third division here in the United States um, under uh, USL Championship. And correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Max, of everything I say. Um, That's if, correct. If a lot of people don't know. Yeah, a lot of people don't know what New Amsterdam is. Can you just ex- explain, give a brief history of New Amsterdam and, and why? Uh, first of all, it's a beautiful logo. Um, Thank you. And I think today I just saw, I saw the I saw the the jersey yeah. of of I think you guys you lost man ooh I, I need you need to you need to ship one to me really fast no, but um sure. just give them a brief history of what New Amsterdam is and how the the symbolism of of the ship uh, on the logo what it means yeah yeah so so New Amsterdam was the the former name of of New York City. Um, the Dutch settlers, when they came over, they named it New Amsterdam. And when we, you know, formed this club, we wanted to make it placed on, you know, old world values, a working man's club as best we can, you know, in New York City, but a working man's club, you know, an honest club. Um, and we just felt going back to, you know, more traditional roots as opposed to something, you know, our, our MLS counterparts, maybe a little flashier and blingier we just wanted to keep it a little more you know honest and hardworking, and and i hope that's come through through our um you know our branding and stuff like that hence the ship and the, the settlers definitely and you know you can never go wrong with black um <laughs> but you know yeah. in new york there's already a lot of teams you have new york red bulls uh nycfc uh the new york cosmos are still there and then obviously david via um yeah. is is uh they're creating a new team out of Queens as well. Uh, but why why do it out of New York when it's so it's already populated with professional teams? Yeah, um, for selfish reasons, because I'm out of New York. Um, and again, <laughs> no, and also, you know, it's 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 working very closely with Football Project. Um, it's a holding ground for players. We believe there's enough talent to go around in New York, um, and we believe. We are still, despite there being a lot of clubs in New York, we we firmly believe we are offering something different, right? And and the response we've gotten so far has, you know, confirmed that somewhat that we are offering a different fan experience, um, a different footballing experience from you know the other clubs. And so, you know, I think that's why we felt confident and comfortable that we we were giving something different to to the footballing community of New York. Yeah. And how do you, because, you know, especially the fact that you're going to have so many fans, uh, a lot of fans who are already tied into those teams that are really established, are there like the Red Bulls, NOCFC and Cosmos who have a, a rich history. Uh, how do you, how do you uh, create that momentum um, and sort of, uh, sort of display the messaging of, you know, this is a club of, of the, the, working, the working man 
And how do you get people to tie into that, into that uh, sort of that culture? Yeah, uh, I would say one part ticket admission. You know, we're going to try and keep it around 10 bucks to get in. I think that's fair. I think that's reasonable. Um, and then on the other hand, if you look at, you know, the breakdown of our roster, it's going to be heavily reliant on local guys. And I, you know, uh, you and I have played together in New York, and I think there's a lot of untapped talent just in our backyard there. Um, and I think if, if, you know, you're a kid growing up or you're, you know, a family and, and, you know, you're middle class, let's call it. And, you know, one of your neighbors down the streets plays on, you know, your football club and he's waking up every morning to go to training. It's a little more realistic, the pathway, it feels a little more real as opposed to like us versus them. And, you know, he's driving the, you know, the, the red Ferrari or, or what have you. And I'm kind of like, you know, stuck on the D train. It's like, it's just a different life and 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 i think when once you see these community ties that you know these are people that live side by side in their community and they help the community and they're kind of a picture of you know what could be um i think it makes it all that much more real yeah definitely i mean i'm 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 supportive of any avenue for more players to get involved and and you know to play at a professional level uh but with that being said from a player's point of view it's it's obviously a, you know a, you know another journey that players could take in order to be professional players but what is what is the dream for uh new amsterdam fc what do you guys foresee in the next 5 to 10 years i i mean i first on behalf of nisa i would love to see the nisa league grow i love that it's on a european calendar so i i would love to see it expand and be able to rival mls right again it'll be a different product i don't think it's the same product, right? They, they've made, there's no salary cap. It's a little more free market, which, you know, has worked in the past, has also not worked in the past. Um, but I think the unlimited ceiling of that, I'd love to see that get explored. For our club specifically, I'd love to see us make, you know, a series of deep open cup runs, right? Upset a couple, you know, bigger traditional, you know, powerhouse clubs, maybe even some of the local ones. But probably just as important, or if not more important, I'd like to see, you know, we're going to be taking players that are local. We're going to be taking younger players, right? Similar to a Schalke model, and I can talk on that a little bit later. But I'd like to see players get sold on and, and move on to Europe, right? I don't want New Amsterdam to be their last stop. I want it to be their break into the professional game. But I'd love to see them go on and play in the Bundesliga or in the Premier League and represent our national team. And that's, that's really, you know, what, what, what is deep in my heart. Definitely. So it's, 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 it's a club created to give players a chance to, you know, break into a professional level, but also to empower them and motivate them to go on and, and realize dreams further than the ceiling of just playing United States. Max Mansfield, um, sporting director of New Amsterdam FC out of New York, the newly founded team playing in the NISA and also the managing partner of the foosball project. Um, any any last question here from me, Max? Uh, what would you tell uh, players during this time uh, where you know obviously soccer shut down and they they suck they start quarantined at home? Um, what would kind of be the key right now that you would give players to do um, uh, during this time? Yeah, I would say the the age old part of you know get fit or stay fit, you know, you know, stay ready. So you never have to get ready. Cause we, we all know how hard it is to get fit. 
And even more importantly, I would say, you know, this is a huge, huge opportunity for you to gain, you know, ground on somebody who's a bit better than you to work on that weakness that you've put off because you've had so many club, club games. Maybe it's the left foot. Maybe it's the fitness, whatever it may be. Right. We're all stuck in the same situation. Right. Maybe people have access to a couple more things, but I can assure you a lot of players are not working that hard. So this is a prime, prime opportunity. And this is finding the silver lining. Right. To, you know, catch up to those guys or to surpass those players so that when we resume again, you know, you come out flying and they need, you know, two to three months to get to where you are. So use this time wisely and, you know, make it count. Yeah, definitely. Max, thank you so much for joining me, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, H. Pleasure to be on here. Thank you for listening to the Varboot Podcast. If you like this episode, please rate it, subscribe to our podcast, and comment your thoughts on the topic.